0: That really had me thinking, did I make a mistake?
1: Welcome to another Be All In episode. Today's guest speaker is Gretchen Tabachhorst, and she owns the award-winning public relations and marketing firm Prim & Co. out here in Denver, Colorado. Gretchen and her company specialize in six primary categories, including hospitality, travel, health and wellness, nonprofits consumer products and services and retail and real estate. We are super excited to have you on here just to share your knowledge and to give any advice that you may have for people that are struggling with marketing because as Kyle and I know, and I'm sure you know, you can never know enough or learn enough about ways to market because it's such a changing, you know, the industry changes all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So thank you so much for taking the time to be with uh, us today.
0: Well, Thanks for having me. I was excited when you reached out.
1: Yeah, it's always good to uh, catch up. Yep. So for our viewers, we'd love to begin with just getting a little bit of your background into your experience and then understanding the decisions that you had to make, which led you to creating your company.
0: Sure. So before starting Prim & Co, I was the director of marketing and public relations for an international hospitality group. Uh, It's called Richard Sandoval Hospitality. And when I was with him, he had 47 restaurants around the world um, and boutique hotels. He started to branch into boutique hotels. And during my time there, we were opening businesses in Dubai, Hong Kong, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, and it gave me the opportunity to work with some of the best PR agencies in the world. So I was managing Richard's national PR, and then we would hire local agencies every time we would launch in a new market because honestly, who knows the market better than a local agency? So um, it gave me a fine-tuned understanding of what to expect in a phenomenal PR and marketing agency. Uh, So when I decided to go off on my own, I knew exactly what i wanted to emulate Um, unfortunately i did also work with some not so great pr and marketing agencies and had some pretty terrible service in some areas but i do think that was a teaching opportunity just to know from the client's client perspective what they expect and um, in terms of expectations how how you can improve things for them so uh when my husband and i decided to start a family we knew that my current travel situation just wasn't going to be great for uh, my current work or my current home life situation it would essentially turn him into a single dad and he didn't want to be a single dad and i wanted to see my kids you know i'd be gone for, you know, two weeks at a time opening these restaurants. And that's just, that's too long to be, to be away. Uh, so I knew I wanted to do something locally. And I initially started freelancing. And this was, at the beginning, it was just a way to pay the bills, to be quite honest. I thought I'll freelance for some other agencies. I've been doing this for years. I'll do this while I look for another job, a full-time job with benefits and all those good things that full-time jobs come with. And once I started freelancing for one agency in particular in Denver who had been around for 15 years at the time, it became very clear very quickly that I was teaching her, the owner, more than she was teaching me. I was introducing her to my national media contacts. I was creating the proposals to pitch the clients. I was selling the clients, I was securing the clients, and then I was acting as their account manager on top of that. Um, And so, and then of course you're getting, you know, 20% of the profit or whatever, probably less than that. And you're doing all of the work, including retaining the client in the first place. So I just took a hard look at myself and thought, I can do this, it's a risk, but I can do this on my own. And so then started freelancing just by myself um, instead of under an agency and ended up getting my first client. And my first client paid me $750 a month, and so i was going from a director level salary in an international corporation to 750 dollars a month and my husband thought i had lost my mind and wasn't definitely was not on board with this entire scenario but i said give it time you know after six months if things don't improve then I'll throw in the towel and I'll, I'll start looking for something else. I'll start looking full time. And thankfully, we did have some savings and we were able to pay for our mortgage and do the things that you need to do when you're an adult. And because of the work I was providing, business just started coming in. And it was almost all through referrals, which is the best way to acquire business. Um, our current clients or my current clients at the time, were just telling their friends, their colleagues, people in business groups they were in that I was making a difference for them. And so they started pushing other clients our way and I ended up retaining those people. And then it finally got to a point where I needed help. And I hired my first full-time employee. This was, I think, seven years ago, maybe six years ago. Um, the agency itself isn't, isn't very old. We're just, we've been growing really quickly. Um, but I, I knew I needed somebody who was very experienced because I wanted to make sure that bringing on a new person, they were still, our clients were still going to get that level of marketing and PR that they would get from me. So I didn't want to hire a lower lower level person. I wanted to make sure I hired someone who could give our clients the same experience that I was giving our clients. So I ended up paying my first employee more than I paid myself. Um, just knowing that that would be her expectation, and so I I paid her more. My first employee ended up making more than me for about a year, and then things really started to change and uh, things started to pick up. We were able to charge higher retainers, um, get just clients with bigger budgets because we had created a new name for ourselves, and and now. Um, I, I, I do pay myself more than I pay my employees, which is the goal as a business owner. And it has been um, about seven years now.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, wow. it's good to see that you've become like really successful in what you do, uh, especially because you're passionate about it. Right. So that's, that's the goal is to find something that you love and take off with it because the money will come as yep. it has in your situation. But I do, I do want to backtrack just a little bit. So um, from a freelance perspective, did you market yourself via like Upwork or Fiverr or did you have a landing page for your company? Well, for yourself?
0: I did. Yep. So when I was freelancing for the other agency, I was on Upwork and I did not have a website. But when I decided to branch out on my own, I I continued with Upwork and still represented myself as a freelancer because it was in the end just me working by myself but i created a website that gave more of an agency persona um you know i i would never lie and say i'm an agency even though it's my it's just me but it definitely gave the idea of multiple people working on an account and that's that's partially because at sometimes uh, there were times what i when i did have multiple people working on the account so i would bring in other freelancers um, with specific focus areas and specialties, if it wasn't something that I had the bandwidth to take on. Uh, but the website, you know, that gives you credibility. Right? It's really hard, no matter how big or small the business, to sell yourself without a website. It's like a storefront, it's like a business card. That's the first thing people ask for. So um, I do think before I created the website, I probably lost some potential clients. But as soon as that site was up, um, it was a great place to drive traffic.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And I'm assuming you have like uh, your Google Analytics, your Bing Analytics, like all of that stuff connected so you can see mm-hmm. the traffic and it'll help with conversions.
0: Yep. And and from a marketer's perspective, we, we love that. We love all things digital marketing because it helps us prove our value. You know, whether it's for my website or our clients' websites now, um, we can say, we drove X amount of traffic to your website. And here, here are the number of clicks we received to your reservation page or what, what it, whatever it might be.
1: Right. So if, um, like, a company doesn't have that stuff set up and they may not know to reg- where to begin with, like, a Facebook pixel or with analytics working the back end, um, do you help provide that, you know, that service to them on the website front?
0: We do. So we don't design websites. So we usually work as more of a liaison between the the owner and the web designer. So, for I'd say seventy five percent of our clients, we we manage their social media accounts. And in order to track social media success, you need those pixels on your website. And so we'll typically work with their web designer, whoever that might be to make sure that that's included and then provide any instructions needed to help them get that set up.
1: Okay, so you don't work like any of the back end on the tech side. You're more of like the front UI. Okay.
0: Yeah, we're we're definitely we're we're not jumping into that realm right now. Right. So for us, it's more about communications. It's more about the creative component when it comes to marketing. So we we know just enough um, to to be helpful. Um, but once you really dive into the design and development, uh, there we have referred partners that we use who we really trust.
1: See, that's great. Building that network, and then other people get work. Yep. And yep. Oh, yeah. And it
0: clients to us too. And that, and that's another thing that I think really helped us to succeed in the beginning. Um, I made it a point to reach out to other agency owners, larger PR and marketing agency owners, just to ask them what worked for you, what did not work for you, what would you do differently if you could, that kind of thing. And they were incredibly helpful i i was expecting you know majority of these people just to say wait you're asking me advice and you want to eventually become my competition no thank you but um everybody every single person i reached out to and most of these people were strangers just were so happy to open their doors at that point in time you know we were all having in person meetings and i sat down yeah. with many of them and They just talked to me about their business and how it took off. And that was also, um, I would say, the catalyst to, to me understanding how important referrals should be, because a lot of those agencies who have larger retainer requirements began to refer clients to me. So they knew I was good at what I did. They had, they'd actually sat down with me and they had a one-on-one conversation with me. They trusted me. And so if somebody couldn't afford their retainer at that point in time, they would then refer them that person to me, a smaller business to say, we're not a great fit, but reach out to Gretchen. She'll probably be able to help you out. And in the beginning, I do think that's really why the business took off. It's, it's, those connections, that network.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's
1: yeah. why, like, absolutely. one of the reasons Kyle and I started uh, this particular podcast segment because with the entrepreneurial, like, the entrepreneurial drive and just the people that they might be on the smaller end of companies or just trying to get their name out there, but the network, like, building this network of like minded individuals, it's helped. Like, I mean, Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's helped us in a long way, just as much as it's helped uh, the people that are also on here.
0: Yep. Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely
0: then your network is everything. And, and it sounds like such a cliche and it's just, you know, people attend networking events and, and that, that in itself can just be mind numbing, just speaking to a bunch of strangers and trying to kind of sell yourself. But it, it's those one-on-one connections that have really proven to be impactful for me. And now I'm trying to pay it forward to these other people who can who are now in my space at one point in time. And so now I'm trying to help the smaller business knowing that at one point in time, that was incredibly helpful for me. And so now I'm really trying to kind of pay it forward in that way.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. Did you have one of those moments where you're like, yes, this is it. Like, there's no going back now when you had like your company start
0: officially a success kind of thing
1: yeah yep
0: you know i think probably when i hired my third full-time employee because at that point in time i had two account directors who were both very high level again and we hired our first account manager and i think at that moment i felt like oh i'm supporting three people's livelihood now their success is dependent on this business succeeding but it was also very gratifying knowing that I'm making enough money now to support the lives of three other people in their full-time jobs and their benefits and I think for some reason that number that was a big one for me hiring my third person
1: yeah yeah Sorry, of Kyle. Kind of, I feel like I cut you out sometimes. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> good. Um, yeah, very, very inspiring story. I mean, I we I feel like there's a lot of people that we have on this podcast where, you know, it seems like, you know, life's just made for them. Like they've got a great job, they're making great money, but it's just something internal to where they're just not at that full happiness level yet. Mm-hmm. And um, like you mentioned, I mean, your story fits that mold. And Um, I was just kind of curious as to, you know, there's obviously a lot of different challenges um, outside of, you know, internal challenges that people have when they make those kind of decisions. But what was the toughest part internally for you, whether that's mentally or anything like that, whenever you made that decision to um, take that jump and say, you know, I think I can really create my own business and be successful with this, um, you know, this uh, area.
0: The, the toughest piece for me was the fact that my family did depend on me. Uh, I So when I started the business, I had one newborn baby, or he was probably, maybe it wasn't a newborn. He might've been six months old or something like that. And about a year into the business, I became pregnant with twins and that was a big moment for me, just in terms of decision making. Okay, now we have three kids, and the twins were a surprise. Well, we knew we were going to have another baby. We did not knew that know that that baby was going to actually be two babies, and so <laughs> that um, that changes your whole financial future. That's three college educations. That's three cars to buy, three mouths to feed. You know, all the expenses that come along with a child, and. That really had me thinking, did I make a mistake? Um, I'm not just putting myself in risk. I'm putting my family at risk. And we had a home that my my husband's uh, salary could could afford the mortgage, but we probably couldn't do much else. It, we were dependent on those two salaries to to live the lifestyle that we wanted to live. And, uh, so that really had me questioning myself and, um, it was funny, my, my husband who was so just not on board in the beginning, he was the one who actually pushed me at that point and said, look how much you've done, look how much you've done in the last two years. I mean, you, you have so much further to go and you're, you're already a success. Like you can't turn back now. And so things really changed in his mind too. And I, I'd say that that was a, a moment where I questioned myself, uh, but ended up turning things around.
1: Yeah, it's nice to have that support. That was going to be yeah. one of one of my questions. Was like the support from your family and your and your friends. Um, was there anybody besides like maybe yourself in some mindset that thought hey, you probably shouldn't do this?
0: You know, I can't think of anyone that really said you shouldn't do this. I think there were a few people who just would kind of look at me funny, like, okay, that's pretty (laughs) risky. You've never owned a business before, but okay. Um, and, And I've always been a publicist and a marketing expert, which is very different from being a business owner. It's an entirely different set of skills and and an understanding. So I had to learn how to create a cash flow spreadsheet. You know things that we don't do often in marketing because that's a business thing. We had somebody in finance working on that. Uh, so it was definitely I, I definitely had some looks, but I don't think anybody really said don't do it. Thankfully.
1: I think Kyle and I know what those looks are like when we take uh, our camera into the gym to like film our workouts and stuff yeah we get we get looks like that that are like Mm -hmm. uh, what are you doing meanwhile they don't I guess they don't realize it's the 21st century everybody's filming everything
0: well that's what I was just thinking at the gym too it it seems like that's kind of the norm now to film your workout so many people are doing that
1: Right. I I think people just don't want to get caught up in like the background, which I understand. But at the end of the day, it's not like if you're if you're standing there filming somebody just and you're trying to take it in like a a Walmart greeter. then yeah, yeah, yeah. it could be it could be a little intense. But if you're just filming your workouts, then I think, you know, it's not not too bad.
0: Yeah, not too bad.
1: But um, so you talked a little bit about education and being able to uh, pay for colleges and Kyle and I like we both graduated college um but we feel as if we've learned a lot more obviously from like our internships and the experiences that we've had so as important as education is Mm -hmm. um do you think that obviously like the experience that you've had that you'd be able to get to the point where you're at without necessarily your college education or any advice for like people that are in college
0: you know i for me as an employer as an employer and i'll start there i look for college graduates mostly because it shows me that number one, they can complete a very difficult task. This is something that you have to put your mind to. It's not It's not just difficult in the way that you have to think and study and do all the things that you do in college, but it's a time commitment. You're dedicating four years of your life or however many years of your life to study, knowing that you could be making more money at that point in time, bartending or doing one of those you know heavy cash flow types of positions but you don't you you go to college instead and you work your way through that four years and so i like knowing that that person has enough dedication and just just to finish that major task but um it also you learn so much in college that in my under that in my opinion I think you use that you don't even know you use. So for instance, a big piece of our job is writing and it's AP style writing. it's it's very it's a very specific type of writing that you do not learn in high school. you you need to take journalism classes, you need to take public relations classes. Um, you need to learn how to organize your thoughts a certain way. and these are things that you, need to know before stepping into a role as a publicist so i do think college is important for this particular career path a career in marketing or public relations that said i do think there are other career paths that like technical technical career paths in particular where experience is is so much more impactful than right. the college education. Uh and just and that's just knowing from my experience knowing people in IT, people in coding, um people in web design or graphic design and these are either self-taught or internet taught and some of them are just very talented and and well paid and those aren't things that they learned from college. And so I think a lot of it just does depend on the job you're you're talking about where where you plan to go after college
1: right yeah that's what my um, brother's he does now he builds websites and he's all about the back end lifestyle mm-hmm. so he's <laughs> he's turned himself into that tech expert of you know how to code and he codes in multiple awesome. different languages he learns coding languages like you know like a interpreter does if they're traveling the world it's ridiculous wow.
0: He'll have a job forever. I mean, he's oh yeah. He'll oh, always yeah. be needed. That's something that I will push my kids. I won't push my kids to do, but if they're wavering, it's like get into coding. Just learn how to code. Yeah, we'll figure something out from there.
1: <laughs> in all, yeah, in all honesty, and that was one thing in like at least you know in mine and Kyle's high school that they didn't push. Like nobody pushed coding. Like yeah. C plus uh Java, Python. Nobody pushed that stuff. They just pushed Spanish. You know,
0: oh, yeah. <laughs> and
1: it's, 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 yeah, it's two, two different, uh, two, you're on two different wavelengths, but.
0: And now I think they're teaching in elementary school now coding. I, I think that's part that's of really. the curriculum in a basic public school, elementary school is coding now. So somebody at some point in time understood that this is a very important skill to have a very useful skill to have. Yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. Um, Okay, so you had talked a little bit about like influencers, and I I think that it's important for people to understand that because there are I feel like I go on social media nowadays. It's like 10, 11, 12 year olds are making six figures and they have, you know, 2 million, 5 million followers. They don't know what to do with their money. But uh, the point behind that is like, I think it's important for people to understand that just because they market themselves and on TikTok or on, you know, Instagram, whatever the case may be, it's it could be a lot different when they're actually marketing for a particular brand, and I think that that Mm -hmm. goes hand in hand with what you're talking about in terms of like education and experience, um, and just being able to write in that AP style.
0: Yep, and we have actually had experience, a negative experience using an influencer for some social media work we had, and that's because I saw that she did a phenomenal job as an influencer. She had a lot of engagement. She had really cool content that you wanted to watch. She had beautiful photography, beautiful videography. And what I ended up missing was that she did not have the business side of things. So she was not on the operation side enough to understand what the business needed on a marketing side. So just to give an example, um, with where with the restaurants we work with we're working with open table and we're trying to decide how many click throughs are going to that open table reservation link and how we can push people to that open table reservation link and then we pull reporting and we show our clients how much certain ad campaigns or posts whatever they might be have actually driven traffic to that and and she that was new to her and with with anyone in digital marketing this should be a very obvious topic this should this should be something that you do it's all about reporting it's all about proving your return and she didn't like the reporting piece Um, she she wasn't quite as organized as the the marketing experts we had when it came to content calendars things like that and I, I look at bringing on social media people in an entirely different way now. Um, you need to be a content creator. You need to create relevant, captivating content, but you need to understand the business side because in the end, we're working with clients. We're working with people who want us to make them money. And if they have all the engagement in the world and no results, then that's not beneficial to them. It has to be both.
1: Right. I think it's great that you say that because Kyle and I, like we obviously with an apparel brand, like people affiliate apparel brands with influencers here, here and here all over the place. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, Um, we went a different route, sort of, in terms of we are calling our people leaders because they're at the forefront. But to the exact point that you were making is we handpicked three leaders Three people that we know very well that understand the business side, but they also understand the creative side Mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, they are teaching and influencing people in terms of inspiring them to, you know, and basically empowering them uh, to be, you know, who they want to be, but they understand, yes, you need that creative piece, but you also have the business as well.
0: Yep. Yeah. We think of our influencers. So in influencer partnerships, that's a big part of what we do every day for our clients as well. And we do, we think of them as our external content team, but they're not working hand in hand with the client. So it's something, it's something different for us so that, you know, we can create this content with the influencer, get a lot of engagement, hopefully drive traffic to our clients, social media pages. But in the end it's someone on our end Generating those reports and making sure that it's a worthwhile influencer. And I don't know if you guys have run into this yet, or have you seen what's the new HBO show, the, or documentary, um, Fake Famous? Uh-huh. Have you watched Fake <laughs>
2: Famous yet? I haven't.
0: Oh, it's terrifying. Um, so <laughs> it's about it. It the idea is that you can so easily become an influencer these days because of all the bots you can purchase. And there are so many uh, fake influencers out there right now. And these companies will a lot of times just see how many people like a page and they're not looking at engagement, relevant to engagement, and they're paying these influencers money for their content or their posts where 80% of their followers are bots. And um, it's happening a lot. And so we actually have a social media manager on our team, an influencer manager who audits each of the influencers we work with too. So we have a software, a very expensive software that we use to to audit all of these influencers to make sure they're fa- followed by real people and to make sure that the engagement isn't just a bunch of emojis because that's, right. that, that's what a bot looks like because they can't really interact with, with real people sentences or they'll say like cool everything's cool or like okay symbol right (laughs) and um and and so we'll we'll really dive deep with our influencer partners just to make sure that our clients money is being well spent well spent um because there are a lot of fake ones out there now
1: yeah i'm sure somebody's gonna watch this and they're gonna look at it and be like all right now i gotta rethink my strategy oh no yeah
0: So we use a software called Clear, and they do a really great job um, weeding out the bad influencers and helping to search for influencers. So if you're even looking for a certain type of influencer, you know, if you're looking for female athletes in a particular region of the United States, um, maybe you're looking for a micro-influencer, or, you know, maybe we're hoping for 20,000 followers plus, It'll give you a list of those people so that you're not digging through Instagram or TikTok, you know, looking with hashtags or whatever it might be, which is just so cumbersome. It works and you can usually find good people, but it takes a lot of time.
1: Gotta save money (laughs) as as like a startup. Saving money is
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. Right yeah. now, right now, do do the searches, do the organic searches when you're big time. Get it. Get a fancy software.
2: Yeah. Uh, Kyle, are so, you going to ask something? Oh, I'm sorry. Good. Yeah, that's OK. Um, quick question with uh, who? What kind of um, target customer do you have? Is it do you work with a lot of startup companies or is it more so um, more established companies that might have been in business for, you know, three to five years or more?
0: it's both so we've worked with very large companies. Uh, we work with one uh, one of our largest clients now is Society Insurance it's a national insurance company uh, with offices all over the United States. Floyd's 99 Barbershop is one of our clients they have uh, 120 it just changed it changes all the time 120 locations nationwide I believe. Uh, But then we work with some, you know, smaller mom and pop restaurants, and it's a team of seven, and we just really believe in what they do, and we want to work with them. So um, that's another beautiful thing, I think, about owning your own business. You get to decide who you want to work with and what types of clients you want to work with, and there have been some cases during the, even the proposal process, the sales process, where I'll get some red flags with a client or a potential client. And, um, you know, if they're rude to me or rude to my team or say something that is off-putting that I just, I know could come up down the line, then I can say, you know, I don't think we're a great fit. Whereas if you're working, for somebody else, you just have to take that person. That person is now your client and you're working with them. Even if in the grand scheme of things, they're a terrible person at heart, you just have to deal with that day to day. And uh, I don't want, I don't want my team to have to work with those people. Um, and I don't want to have to work with those people. Um, but just to go back to your original question, um, we work with all types of sizes of businesses, but in the end, I think, Everyone we work with, they're all good people. Um, we, we choose to work with them because we like them.
1: Right. That's a great boss That's mentality good. to have. Yeah. Like <laughs> for the people by the people. It's it's you know, you you talk as if you're working for everybody else instead of them working for you, which I think <laughs> is a great mentality to have mm-hmm. at the end of the day.
0: Oh, yeah, our team absolutely. my team is everything to me. Um, I, I do try to use our agency instead of my agency, because in the end, yes, I'm typically the one who brings in the clients. I'm the one who pitches the clients and gets them on retainer. But the reason we have grown, that's because we have amazing team members. Those, the people on my team are the reason our clients stay. So I bring them on and then they're provided with fantastic account management and they stay. And, and that's why we grow.
1: Awesome, so back to a little bit of the influencer talk since that is a lot of social media today. Oh yeah. Um, so your advice for like a nano or a micro influencer, what would be some of the points that you would give them to help them grow their audience?
0: So first off is grammar and punctuation, as silly <laughs> as that sounds. So when we're searching for an influencer for our clients, we want to make sure that they are representing our clients in an accurate fashion and if we go to somebody's social media post and it's just full of grammar mistakes spelling mistakes whatever it might be i don't care if you have a million followers we don't want you writing about our clients with a bunch of mistakes Uh, that's just not how we operate so i would say proofreading as boring as that sounds that's a big piece to it that's how we try to find people um, beautiful content captivating content majority of the influencers we work with um, are either professional photographers and videographers or amateur you know photographers videographers or they have someone they're working with shooting this beautiful photography and videography so you know if you're again shooting just dim dark just ugly <laughs> photography then Again, I don't care how many followers you have. We don't we don't want to work with you because that's our client. We don't want our client to look ugly, so uh, that's another piece. Um, but engagement, and I, I would say the the another big thing for me is engagement. And so if people are commenting on your posts, comment back, tell them thank you, answer questions, um, and that's what I've found to be the most impactful for our clients is when the influencers we work with are engaging with the people commenting on their pages Um, because then they're talking at the client too. It ends up being this additional advertising moment for you where somebody says, Oh, that hotel room looks beautiful. And then the influencer says, Oh my gosh, you should see the view. It's right over union station. And it's just that extra push that we need to show that they're really advocating for the brand.
1: All right, Kyle, there we have our tips that we both need. Usually it's just like <laughs> my mother and myself going back in the comment section, back and forth, but I'll need to, all right, now I know what I need to do.
0: Yeah, and in- influencer marketing, it's changing daily too. It uh, so. For a while, it was all photography and it was all Instagram. And then TikTok took over and everything is video now. And you have to be really creative to come up with that much content on a regular basis. Um, So the video is really pushing out photos, even in Instagram, which actually makes me kind of sad because I love scrolling through Instagram and just seeing beautiful photos, which I think there's still a place for, but it's harder to capture attention that way. Um, and so we've found now what we've been doing a lot is teaming up with influencers who are great at shooting content, and then using that video content for our clients. And we'll actually create an agreement for them, saying we're going to give you a room in this hotel, a dinner at this restaurant. It's uh, all together. It's worth five hundred dollars. Um, But you're going to give us the rights to use your content and we incorporate that into our influencer agreements and it ends up being just an additional resource for content creation for us.
1: So, okay, so you talked a little bit about like TikTok and Instagram in terms of Twitter, Facebook and like YouTube. Do you, I mean, Facebook's more of, you know, it's not really like the influential type. It's more for like businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, but as, as, as like Twitter and, um, YouTube go, do you work a lot with content creators for those platforms?
0: We don't work a lot with YouTube, um, only because we don't have the capabilities on our team to create that much video. So if we were to hire, or if our, one of our clients were to hire a videographer, we can help to design that content to say, you know, we're going to put together a calendar and figure out what we'd like to shoot day to day. Um, but at this point in time, our, our clients haven't requested that. And with the types of clients we're working with a lot of them, um, YouTube wouldn't be a resource for purchasing these items. So it's just not, it's not a great fit for us. It's, it's something I think will potentially come down the line, but we're not using it often now. Twitter We use for only two clients, and this is partially because you have to be posting so often with Twitter, you know, with Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, you can post once a day or once every two days and you're fine. But to continue to be relevant and to be followed on Twitter, you need to constantly be pushing information out. And um, once our clients see what type of budget it would take to constantly be pushing out messages from Twitter, they usually decide that that's not the best fit for them. And and again, Twitter is another spot where people aren't making or deciding on purchasing decisions by scrolling through Twitter. Whereas on Instagram, you're you might be looking for a place to eat that night, and it and it has it happens just because of the type of client we typically work with too, but you might be looking for a place to eat tonight. And so you're searching the hashtag Denver restaurant, and then you see a bunch of beautiful food pop up and that's how you decide where you will eat. And that's where you click to make your reservation. So it's um, it depends on the type of business. I think there's definitely a place for, for Twitter and some people are doing it incredibly well, but you can't just use Twitter once every couple of days and think it's going to move the needle for you.
1: Right. Right. So in terms of, uh, this question is twofold. One, which social media platform from your experience has the best CTR. So click through rate. And mm-hmm. then two, does that go hand in hand with the ads? So if you were to buy ads on Facebook, do you see the best conversion on Facebook? Yeah.
0: So, in our experience, Facebook is number one in that area. and i And I think a lot of it does have to do with the fact that paid advertising can be very easy to set up on Facebook and target very specific demographics, very specific regions, types of people, people with certain types of likes. Uh, and the way they've set up Facebook advertising and Facebook campaigns, it just is very user-friendly for for a business to capitalize on those click-throughs. Instagram is right behind them. Um, TikTok, we haven't seen a huge lift in sales um, from, from anything we've really done with TikTok. But uh, I do know that it helps just for brand recognition and to stay at the top of mind. So if if somebody keeps popping up on an influencer's feed and TikTok, then it's not going to hurt you. We might not see that direct click through, but it, you still might be at the top of mind when you're thinking about purchasing purchasing a product or visiting a business, whatever that might be.
1: Right. So we did we ran some ads just for the sake of testing it out and Facebook, oh my God, because they run with like bots on the back end. They flag their ad and then oh. disabled our account. And then I, I it took me like three weeks to get in touch with them to get it back. And then they were like, oh, sorry, like this should not have been flagged in the first place. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, That's happened
0: before. Yeah. it's the
1: price you pay for the bots on the back end. They just scan um, mm-hmm. you know, every now and then. And then if you try to get it accepted, um then they finally have like a a human look at it
0: yeah yeah it doesn't that has definitely happened to us before too so it's not just you um it happens to everybody and it always takes a long time to get in touch with somebody (laughs)
1: Yeah, so just for people's awareness that may be viewing this, Facebook, they don't have a customer service phone number or a customer service email. So mm-hmm. if you if somebody comes to you and they try to give you their number or you go to click on an email or something online, they do not have customer service. So you yeah. have to work internally through the ads manager. Mm-hmm. So,
0: And I know um, at least this is what so I'm not the person who manages our our paid ads. One of our digital account directors does that. But she has also told me that you have to stay at your computer forever. So if you send Facebook a message, and they and and they you know you start working at someone on something else and you don't respond to them, they'll you're back to the end of the line again. Oh. So as soon as you reach out, you have to make sure you're really paying attention.
1: Yep, man. Oh <laughs> my, um, I, I, your your queue number goes from three to three hundred real quick.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: <laughs> not good,
2: not good at all. Um, Kyle, did you have any questions? I keep cutting you off. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, so you did mention that you work with, you know, different customers all along the spectrum, whether they're startups or if they're already well-established companies. Uh, in your opinion, what if you could bucket into, you know, one or one or two different reasons? Uh, obviously, when they come to you, there's some type of challenge they're facing when it comes to marketing mm-hmm. and public relations. What would you say is one of the largest challenges that companies face, whether it's a startup or an already existing company uh, mm-hmm. today? Just because things change so frequently, like Cam had mentioned, everything with algorithms and Google and how search terms come up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something that might have worked really great two years ago might end up costing you and hurting you in the algorithms, or you know, not hitting your target consumer in today's day and age.
0: Mm-hmm. So for us, I think a lot of what we do for clients is, again, I'll say it again, keep them at the top of mind. And in terms of challenges, it's that for a while, it was a good thing. Our economy was booming. So we had businesses opening left and right, new products coming out on a regular basis. And so you would be at the top of mind one moment. And then you're pushed down to the bottom because this new product has already entered the market and here they are and and everybody's already forgotten about you um, same goes for restaurants and hotels which is the majority of who we work with um, new restaurants are opening new hotels are opening and then you're old so you know you're you open one weekend you're the hot news you're all over and then the next hotel or restaurant opens and everybody has already forgotten about you. So what we do for the majority of our clients is continue getting them press, um, if, if we're talking about that side of the business. So continue to find reasons for writers and producers, um, editors to write about these businesses. So it could be a seasonal opportunity, it could be something as silly as National Hamburger Day, so we know national hamburger day is coming up we know so and so has the best cheeseburger in town so we are going to pitch this cheeseburger to a variety of writers to make sure that they write about this restaurant on national cheeseburger day so keeping them at the top of mind in a market that continually has new businesses opening up I think that is where we end up being very helpful in solving that problem for people. Um, same goes for backlinks. So um, if, if you' all are paying attention to all of the algorithm changes with Google, backlinks are more important now than they ever have been. And so if in terms of SEO, So if you are generating backlinks to very relevant um, uh, press press outlets, then that's going to improve your SEO. So it's so much better than, you know, for a while people were all emailing each other saying like, Hey, will you post about me and your blog and I'll post about you and my blog. And then it's creating this backlink, which gives you that numbers component. But in terms of domain authority, actually getting a relevant backlink from a website people read often, it wasn't improving your SEO. And so now, If you're getting backlinks through a a piece of press coverage from PR, then your domain authority increases because they had a high domain authority. And then Google sees you as relevant because people are clicking on, you know, we'll just say Wall Street Journal, that article that goes to your business. And all of a sudden, you're very important in Google's eyes. So that's one area where we help our clients, too. Um, And it's just kind of the under the radar thing that. PR does for businesses. Um, you don't even know that it's helping your SEO, but it is because you're getting these credible backlinks.
1: That's some great information. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, so th- very this very is on the subject.
1: right. So this is you don't have like pricing packages, right? You work on like a per, um, I guess like a, a per client basis as to mm-hmm. for what they want to achieve.
0: Yep, and and we customize each package for each client because each client is different you know some people are only marketing to the the Denver community or the Boulder community some of our clients are marketing nationally some are Trying to get their name out in front of other businesses because they're a service-related business versus a consumer-related business, so um, everybody has just a different idea of what they need, and and we have a different package to accommodate that person. So we don't work in a cookie-cutter scenario where. It's it's this much for PR and this much for marketing or email marketing and this much for social media. And that also comes from my time on the client end. So I found that the agencies I worked with that really helped improve our sales were helping us from a variety of different approaches. So sometimes it's grassroots marketing. Sometimes it's getting that press coverage. Sometimes it's social media strategy. Um, they all work together to get you that recognition in the consumer's eye. Um, but not everybody does it or needs to do it in the same way. So we do customize for every client.
1: Which is awesome. I mean, I would love like the customized package more than just obviously people going through the motions mm-hmm. um, just to fill the package that I bought. And so then you're and,
0: wasting money, too, you know right. that this is built directly for you. like we're not going yep. to, try to pitch somebody on something they don't need
2: right you know Mm -hmm. not
0: not everybody needs a national press yes it might help their domain authority but is it is it going to actually get people to make reservations or to book a stay probably not maybe not
1: right for sure so in terms of the re do you or your team use any resources like plural site udemy like I think YouTube has an academy now, um, in terms of staying on top of the latest trends?
0: So we do a lot through Sprout Social. So Sprout Social is our social media scheduling tool and reporting tool. It's it's another item we, per- we purchase but they do a lot of conferences, webinars. Um, they were hosting them in person again before everything became virtual. And so we do a lot of webinars with them. And then most recently, I actually reached out to an agency owner, um, uh, I mean, in a way, a competing agency again, but I know she focuses just on social media and she's hyper-focused in social media and has one of the best Paid strategy teams in Denver. And so I reached out to her to ask if she could just put together a a small, she does a lot of speaking opportunities. So, um, I asked if she could put together a little curriculum for our social team just to go over any changes that happened in 2020 that we might not be aware of in terms of the algorithm or strategies or campaigns that are working well now that weren't working in the past, especially when it comes to paid. And so she was nice enough to actually put together a five class curriculum. So every Thursday we had a Zoom with her where she'd walk through different pieces of social media and and how we could improve them this year versus last year, and kind of going through the changes. So we continually educate ourselves on all things digital, and and I'm definitely the novice on our team. You know, it's I'm I'm not the specialist in that area, but I I know enough to understand that it changes daily, and so they yeah. have to continually educate themselves.
2: It
1: comes back to having that network.
0: Yeah, yeah that sure does. Yeah, it
1: does. Um, did you have any questions for us that you'd like to ask? I know that we talked a little bit about what the company is, um, but I didn't know if you had any questions of your own. So,
0: how do you two know each other? How did you decide to get, <laughs> to get <us>
1: together? <laughs> we we grew up together. Uh, yep. We went yeah to every grade school together. Um, stayed in touch through college. Both played college sports, and last. So last March,
2: actually, it's like a year ago. Coming up on a year, yeah.
1: Yeah, we when we both started working from home. So Kyle works for Nestle in logistics. Oh, cool. um, And then I obviously with Lockheed and finance. So we sat down since we both started working from home, not knowing that we'd still be working from home a year later. We mm-hmm. pulled the trigger. There was never a better time to sit down, and we started hopping in calls with people all over the world. Like we've talked to people in Russia, Singapore, China. Um, Dubai, like Canada, London. So like we've, we've definitely been creating that similar network of internationally, of course, obviously, we've talked to a lot of companies in the US, but they're, you know, they're obviously like triple the price and for a startup, um, it's, it can be a little bit hard. Oh, yeah. At, at times with some of that stuff. So, yeah, we we've known each other forever. And like I said, there was n- not a better time than to start this company.
0: Have there ever been any differences in opinion where you're like, I want to do this? I'm like, I think that's a terrible idea. But how, how do you navigate those situations or have they come up?
1: Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. <they've, laughs> of, yeah. I mean, they've come like up for that. sure. But we're we're very good with listening to one another. Um, so, Thankfully, we see eye to eye on a lot of things, Um, but there are differences that obviously that I have and and that Kyle have, but we look at it from a few different angles and a few different perspectives. And at the end of the day, we make the decision based on what we think is best for the company Mm -hmm. without like my vision or Kyle's vision necessarily getting in the
2: way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing that I kind of like, too, that we do is yeah, we'll we'll both kind of hold our ground until we fully understand the other person's side. So uh, there have been times where we've been in calls for like 45 minutes to an hour, and I'm having Cam just explain something to me 15 different ways so I can yes. finally understand where he might be coming from. And then I, over time, we'll both eventually start seeing eye to eye. But, um, you know, we'll both definitely make sure that we're understanding exactly what the other person's trying to say if we don't agree with yeah. it at first so that we can – to an agreement
0: communication is key communication is everything
1: and we when we when we sat down uh we were looking for an apparel brand because obviously this market has gone from saturated to underwater
2: it's Mm -hmm. completely sunk Mm -hmm. and
1: we sat down and we were looking and there's like there's no real apparel brand for entrepreneurs so -hmm. like people that are obviously surrounded by like-minded individuals and or companies and then we also looked at it in terms of OK, you know, what does the apparel industry not have, mm-hmm. which we set out and we wanted to pioneer a new category in the industry and we're calling it Visionware. So mm-hmm. we're going to be the first apparel company to actually invest back in entrepreneurs like we we go with uh, we go with a premium, a pre- obviously premium, like everything is custom down to the stitching, right, uh, for like a less price. So it's not going to be like $60 for a shirt, because we also know our target audience are entrepreneurs, and they're not going to spend 60 bucks on a shirt for that.
0: Um, Like to save money. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But then because of what we believe in and the people that we're trying to get, you know, to surround themselves with our company, we take... You know, the points that they can accumulate and we match them one to one, two to one, three to one and like send PayPal or Venmo to their business to actually put the money forth to their business. Because for us, it's not about like the cash up front because it's the cash up front's not going to make our it it can break us, but it's not going to make us right away. Mm -hmm. So we decided that, you know, we'd love to bring people along with us and be the first ever company to actually invest back into their consumer group.
0: I love that. It's a new idea. That's, you don't get that often these days. Everything's been done. but I haven't heard that. I love it.
1: Yeah. We spent like four months looking for it too. Really? Like just, just all over the internet. Mm-hmm. We were, we were, yeah, it was like we were searching for the Titanic. We were looking at every single angle, trying to see if there was another company or another brand in general that did that. But the closest thing that people, the closest thing that companies get are, giving you like, you know, 5% cash back to put forth towards like future purchases. Yeah. So like w- you can obviously use your points towards purchases if you want to. Um, mm-hmm. otherwise we'll invest in your business or will you just give us a URL to a charity that you want and we'll match it 1 to 1 2 to oh, 1 3 to 1 yeah. to a charity of your choosing and we'll make that donation in your name.
0: So can you do branded shirts and things like that too if somebody were to say like we're we're all walking this race together as a team? would you be able to design something that's all that also has your brand but like something different
1: yeah so we would be able to do that our moq for doing that would be a hundred so okay. like you know you'd at least need to have a hundred right yeah.
2: Yeah. right
1: um and You know, and it would also come down to where the particular group wants to manufacture the shirts. Because like we like we said, we have companies in the U.S., we have companies in China and Singapore that can Mm -hmm. we could order from, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. So it just depends on what the the client would be looking for.
0: I was thinking about the charity component. That's why I brought up that idea. Just if if somebody as a company was supporting a charity then that's a nice angle for you guys to get in and say, well, we'll give this back to your charity. So you buy the shirts from us. And then we give a percentage back to your charity on top of it. Right.
1: Yeah. We're, we love just, we both got sick of the nine to five. I mean, we're still doing it to pay for this venture. Um, But like you had talked about in the beginning, the leap that you made, you know, it's, it's scary. Right. At first. Um, but now you don't have to look back and think what could have been because you're living it. And we just don't want to, you know, we don't want to have that regret.
0: There's, There's always a sense of risk involved. I mean, when you start a business, you're taking a risk. And, and that is what I tell myself. I mean, I hope I never have to lay anyone off. I hope we, we never get to that point. We just continue growing. But that is something I tell myself is that, if I did have to let somebody go because the business is not doing well, I would feel guilty, but also I'm the one who took that initial risk. And so, you know, I, I I paid you for as long as I could pay you and I hate the fact that we're not doing well now, but this is my company and my risk. You might, if you started your own company, you might still be working right now. And granted, I don't want my people to walk off and start their own companies. I love all my people, <laughs> but that that's part of the risk you take. Um, when you put your livelihood in somebody else's hands. And that's one of the reasons I do like owning my own business is if, if I fail, I have nobody else to blame, but me and, and myself. And I, I have confidence in myself. And, and I think we will continue to grow. Um, and that's a nice feeling, not being dependent on someone else who you might not have as much confidence in.
1: Right, yeah, right. completely true, completely true. Um, I did have one last question, and it's just in terms of like social sharing links, such as like Linktree, Card. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've heard of Card, um, but a lot of these companies, they have, they're have they building like the landing platforms. I'm sure you've heard of Linktree. Yeah yeah, do you like what are your thoughts on that? I don't know if you have thoughts on that sexual so, sharing.
0: I think they're really helpful. So one of the, especially for instagram, just just knowing that that was the biggest issue for Instagram at the beginning, how do we take these people, take our viewers, take our our followers to the link we want to take them to? Not to another Instagram page. You could always tag things but we want them to purchase something or we want them to make a reservation. And now with things like Linktree, we use one called embed social, which I really like too. that's giving people the capability from a business, from a business standpoint. It just, it makes more sense to drive traffic to the actual revenue generating piece of the business versus just another page, whatever that might be. So in terms of, I mean, In terms of capabilities, I think it's incredibly helpful for actually creating return on some of those posts. Um, But from a consumer standpoint, I think it's just providing you with more information too. Like how many times have you gone to a social media account and you think, oh, I just want to visit the website and the wrong link is in the profile. And you think, oh, that's, that's not where I want to go. It's taking me to an article they were published in um, Linktree and Embed Social takes that piece out. You can go to the website if you want. You can go to the purchase page if you want. You can go to the reservations page if you want. And I love that.
1: Right. Yeah, we we love that stuff too. <laughs> we use it. Um, we find it beneficial. But So for your social media, you have Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter,
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: obviously your website. And they're all consistent at Prim the Agency. Mm-hmm right okay yep. uh just for people we can obviously link all that stuff but yeah so prim that'll connect them to your website
0: yes well and thank you it's been yeah. great talking to you guys
1: yeah no we appreciate yeah. the time um and everything and all the information so we'll, we'll be in touch for sure
0: yep have a great day
1: if you like the underfound value in our show feel free to share it with your family your friends as always, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Pinterest at Iron Pulse Athletics. If you want to get on the email list, all you have to do is subscribe by visiting ironpulseathletics.com. We respect your privacy, we're not going to spam you with a ton of stuff. And remember no matter what you do, be all in.